Thank you. So I am Nathan, pastor of Youth Ministries here at Bethany North, and I'm uh, privileged to be teaching this morning. And this summer, as I have for the last several summers now, actually, I walked through the Sermon on the Mount, which is uh, given at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. And it's um, the longest uninterrupted um, collection of Jesus' teachings that we have recorded in the Gospels. And many who look at it are like, what is the Sermon on the Mount about? And they'll say, it's a crash course in discipleship what it means to follow Christ. And as I was making my way through the text this summer, there was one text that really stood out to me, which is what we're looking at this morning. It's the Beatitudes. The very beginning of, sermon, of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' kind of master class on what discipleship looks like. These are the first words that Jesus says to prepare the disciples and the crowd to hear what he has to say. And so I'm really glad that we will be diving into this this morning because our main focus as we're looking at the fall and our teaching schedules is uh, discipleship. We have a Gather, Grow, Go series that's coming up here and then uh, a series uh, connected to our Ministry of Racial Justice and Reconciliation. And both of these series are talking about what does it mean for us, 21st century Americans, you know, here in North Seattle, Shoreline, Edmonds, what does it look like for us to follow Christ together? And so I'm very, very grateful that we'll be able to look at these words that Jesus started his own sermon on uh, discipleship on. And with that, I'm going to invite up Alexa, who's going to read our scripture for us. Uh, Alexa has been journeying with us this last year, part of our student leadership team, also uh, served at Camp Attitude this summer, and uh, served as a leader at middle school camp. So super excited to have her helping out in the service. So let's hear now. Let's hear now the word of God. Hello. Uh, This is Matthew 5, 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowd, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them the Beatitudes. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the poor, for they will, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for their kingdom of heaven, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Alexa. Yes. So I have a question for you all as you are hearing the Beatitudes. Uh, as we're starting kind of our reflection on this text this morning, which is, how did you feel when you heard the Beatitudes read? What were the emotions that were coming up in you, if there were any, right? Well, my guess, uh, if I were to take one, based on partly my own experience, is that there wasn't a very strong emotional reaction to hearing the Beatitudes read. You know, on the one hand, there are some phrases in there which just are not as intuitive to us, right? Like, kingdom of heaven, pure of heart, righteousness, even the whole blessed are those who kind of formula that it's built around, right? doesn't necessarily uh, ring bells in our heads. But also, 
maybe we've just heard those words so many times, right? So it's just something that we might take for granted. Like, you know, we've, it's just a bunch of Christianese, Christian language that's all put together. And we're like, oh yeah, like, of course, blessed are those who mourn. Like, Jesus said that, of course, like, that's easy. Well, whatever it is, we probably didn't have a strong emotional reaction. But the original crowd that gathered around Jesus, the day he gave this sermon, the disciples and those on the mount probably had a stronger emotional reaction than we did when we heard uh, those words read for us. And so what I want to do is I want us to try to recapture some of the uh, gut punch that would have come along with the Beatitudes from that original audience, Uh, because they would have probably felt the Beatitudes in the same way uh, that they heard the Beatitudes. So if you're game, I'll invite you to close your eyes for a little imaginative exercise that we'll do here in a couple of seconds um, as we try to recapture what is going on with this beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. So then, imagine. Imagine with me that you're at a TED Talk event. You're seated in an auditorium much like this one. You've been there all day. You've seen a litany of self-confident, charismatic entrepreneurs and thinkers all take the stage. They've given polished, powerful presentations on why their next idea, their invention, will be the one that revolutionizes your life. But now you look down at your program, and you see an unfamiliar name there. You start to ask around, like, who is this person who is going to be speaking? And you start to hear good things. You hear one person even say, you know, this guy, he's the one to watch. He has something really special to offer. And so, as you sit down and are getting ready for them to speak, you expect this person to outperform all of the others that you've seen today. And when the time comes for them to appear, There's an excited energy in the room. People coming in through every single door, standing room only, the whole auditorium is packed. There's some uh, excited whispering. All eyes are glued onto the stage. And finally, the lights dim and the crowd goes silent. And out walks a simple man, unremarkably dressed in ordinary clothes with nothing in his hands, not even notes. The screen behind him It remains blank. There's no music to announce his entry. There's some nervous shuffling around you. Everyone's maybe thinking the same thing. Did did they make a mistake? Is this really the guy that we've been waiting for? The one who's going to outperform everyone else? Well, he doesn't make any indication of leaving. He pulls up a small stool. He sits down. And the audience is watching him. And he begins... If you want to be successful, he says, your ears perk up, right? Then you have to become acquainted with your failure. If you want to be rich, be prepared to give away all of your profit. And he continues. How do you feel in this moment? Maybe a little uncomfortable, maybe a little surprised. What did he just say? Was it successful? I have to fail? What? But also, maybe a little captivated. Captivated to hear more of what this man has to share. Well, if you had your eyes closed, you can go ahead and open them again. Thank you for humoring me. This likely 
would have been closer to that original reaction that the crowd would have had to hearing Jesus share this, these words from the Sermon on the Mount that would have been maybe surprised, a bit uncomfortable, but captivated. And that's because the Beatitudes are meant to startle us. They are meant to be unexpected. Because what they do is they take what becomes a theme of Jesus' ministry, this inside-out kingdom of God, where many of the values that might lead us to think that someone is successful in the business world, in the school world, are actually turned upside down when we come into the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus is pushing back against the assumptions that people would have had when they walked in there to see Jesus on the mount that day. Many would have arrived to the Sermon on the Mount, and they would have thought, you know who's blessed? Who are the people who are lucky, who are fortunate? Oh, yeah. It's the people who are rich in their spiritual life, the people who are wise, who always have the right things to say. They are blessed. Who else is blessed? You know, the people who everything is going well for them. They have nothing to mourn in their life. It's just all good. Who else is blessed? You know, the people who are strong, who can make the things happen that they want to make happen. Those are the people who are blessed, who are lucky, who are fortunate. And maybe we carry some of those own assumptions with us today. Like, what does it mean for us to know that someone is loving and following God? Do we fall into some of those same thoughts? That it's the people who look like they have it all together. Yeah, they're the ones uh, who are good Christians, for sure. Right? Well... Jesus is pushing back against those assumptions with the Beatitudes. He says, those who are blessed, who are lucky, are the poor in spirit. It's those who are mourning, those who are meek. And in this way, he is startling the audience awake, shaking us from those assumptions that we might be holding. And another way you could say this is that uh, perhaps it is more so that someone who is kneeling and saying, Lord, I don't have everything together. I don't have it all. I'm at the end of my rope. They are more ready to receive the kingdom of God than perhaps someone like a Pharisee who stands next to them and prays and says, Lord, thank you that I am so great and not like this person next to me. So that is what the Beatitudes would have done for the original audience, startled them awake from their assumptions, made them listen to what this man had to say. But it's also an invitation for us. It's an invitation as we consider what it means to follow Jesus, to look at the world differently, to look at the world through the lens of this inside-out kingdom that Jesus lifts up with the Beatitudes. Because Christ knows that on this path of discipleship, once we can look at the world a little differently, then we will begin to act a little differently. Then we'll begin to pray a little differently. We'll begin to love a little differently. And before long, we are more ready to receive the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, souls, and minds to follow Christ every single day. And so you might be sitting there thinking, okay, this is all good and well, right? There's this invitation that is the Beatitudes, but what does that look like for me right now, for us in this room? Well, this summer, me and several others in the Bethany community got a chance to go to Camp Attitude, which, is, uh, uh, which struck me as a shining example of the inside-out nature of the kingdom of God. Because you see, at Camp Attitude, there is, um, it, it is a camp that's put on for families who have children with special needs. 
and they come down for the week so that we can give them the best week of the summer. And we come down to volunteer, either on a, our kitchen team or on a servant team, doing kind of like the cleaning, behind-the-scenes uh, behind stuff. Or uh, many of our high schoolers were buddies, one-on-one -on -one partners, either with a camper or a sibling throughout the week. And we also end up having the best week of our summer as we're serving. But when I was down there, um, I had the privilege of befriending and hanging out with Josh, who was a 10-year-old boy with Downs, who had, was so full of joy, had the most contagious smile you could think of. And when I was there, um, maybe a picture, oh, there it is, there's Josh. And when I was there, I taught at one of our sessions uh, in the evenings. And uh, you guys are going to be surprised by this, but I actually taught on the Beatitudes. Uh, I know, right? Uh, and speaking at Camp Attitude is kind of a unique speaking gig because, uh, you know, there's a lot of movement happening in the room. There's a lot of conversations, and it's all good, right? It's all good. But you do get the sense about 30 seconds in that you're the most boring thing happening in that room at that moment. Um, and so, you know, I finish speaking whenever we end the day. And then uh, the next morning, we're all hanging out after breakfast, and Josh's parents come up to me. And we're talking, and Josh's mom is like, you know, I have a story to tell you about Josh last night when you were speaking at the session. And I'm like, oh, great. I probably put him to sleep. All right. But no, she's like, uh, you know, he was sitting next to us, and we thought that he was just zoning out, disengaged, not really listening to what you were saying. And then I was reading the Beatitudes, just the scripture, just Jesus's words, right? And I read, blessed are the pure of heart. And at that moment, Josh perked up, looked at his parents, and he said, me, that's me. And she shares the story with me, and we're both a little emotional as we're sitting there thinking of like, Josh saw himself in the Beatitudes. He saw himself in Jesus's words. And she goes on to say that the camp attitude is in a way what she believed heaven was going to look like, where Josh, who might not always have a space made for him in this world, was placed right at the center of the week. There almost was no center or margin when we were there. We were all there experiencing God together. And camp attitude belonged to him just as much, if not more, than everyone else who was there that week. And so I can, I'll invite the band back up. Yes. Um, the invitation from the Beatitudes, and as we consider this path of discipleship, is that we learn the kingdom of God, it doesn't just belong to those that look like they have it all together. It belongs to everyone. It belongs to Josh. It belongs to all of those who are willing to take that step to say, Lord, I need you. And the more that we learn to see the world in this inside-out way, uh, the more we're going to be prepared to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit on this holy adventure that is discipleship, right? A path that's countercultural in many ways that says, you know, the tech millionaires, models on magazines, celebrities, TV stars, yeah, whatever. The kingdom of God, it belongs to Josh. And that's the story that I want to be a part of. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that as we leave this space here on this Labor Day weekend, starting new rhythms and starting a new season of fall in many ways, that you'll give us eyes to see, eyes to see the way that your inside-out kingdom is already here. It's among us, God. Your story is playing out in our lives week after week. Give us the eyes to see it. Give us the ears to hear your words 
you're teaching us as we move from here. Startle us awake as you did with the Beatitudes to that original crowd that day. Startle us so that we can be so receptive to your Holy Spirit as it prompts us and leads us into following you day after day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.